Welcome to the Power to Transform podcast, where healthcare professionals learn simple, powerful, and practical information they can apply daily to live a meaningful and fulfilled life, both personally and professionally. Now, here's your host, John Bentley. Welcome to episode four, where today Oleg from the Overcoming Odds podcast interviews me about the topic of self-sabotage. Today's podcast is brought to you by The Pallet Cabin, whose motto is, Live Simple, Enjoy Life. You can learn more about The Pallet Cabin in the show notes. Just click on the link, The Pallet Cabin. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Oleg. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm glad you and I were able to connect. I think it was initial last week. And then weeks before that, through the Unconventional Leaders Group that uh, connected the two of us. And I wanted to have you on this show for a couple of reasons. First one is to talk about this concept of sabotage and in particular sabotage on our success, which I think happens to probably many of us in, in many different aspects and many different areas. But before we get into that field and explore that question on a deeper level, I want to give you a chance to briefly introduce yourself to the audience and who you are and why you do what you do. Sure. Thanks so much, Oleg. As you mentioned, I'm John Bentley and I'm 59 years of age. And I'll say that my self-awareness journey started when I was 31, when a gentleman that I highly respected shook a Coke can, handed it to me and asked me to open it. And of course I said no, and he wanted to know why. And I shared that what's in it will spew all over you and I, and it won't feel good and it'll be nasty. And he basically mm -hmm. told me that's how you are when things don't go your way, that you don't know how to lead yourself. And you have lots of talent. So that day, it was April 9th, 1992. I made a promise to myself to figure out why do I behave that way under pressure? What caused it? And over time, going back and reflecting, what, what I realized is I grew up thinking I wasn't good enough, that no matter what I did, it, it wasn't going to, to lead me to success, that I had to always try harder and I had to please people. So what I found myself doing from, from a sabotaging point of view was I, I basically, if people didn't approve of it, if others didn't give me the idea, all mm -hmm. I would do was be busy in life. I never had set goals. I wasn't looking to move forward. And if success came my way, the first thought was, well, who are you to deserve this? Mm -hmm. I mean, after all, you're, you're not good enough, remember? And, and nobody's told you you could do this. Your dad's not here to approve of it. So who are you to keep going? Just stop. Find something else to do. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the, the big aha moment for me. And, and I joined the Air Force at 21. So I'd been in 10 years when that aha moment occurred. And in tracing that back, what I realized, I'd learned to, to try to do everything myself be perfect and never ever trust others so you, you can imagine um, doing that at 31 years of age the impact as i started leading others mm -hmm. results that i thought were good for me even though i didn't see myself as successful i failed at getting results through others mm. in, in learning and in going through that journey of, of leading others and the different work that you've done what have you learned about other people as far as why do what are some of the reasons why people choose to sabotage on their own success? Yeah, I, I think it starts with a belief system, first of all. Mm -hmm. And our belief systems are put into us, first of all, just by watching our parents and our authority, authority figures. So if those authority figures are doing things that 
cause us to not believe we're okay, we're going to find ways to please them. And that may be for me, it was try harder, John, just try harder. Are you giving, are you giving your best? Mm -hmm. And so I, in my mind, I always said I didn't. So the thing to, to recognize with, with people is think about the stories you're telling yourself and determine whether those stories are true or not. Like I, I wrote just the other day in a podcast that I did, you know, I, I determined that it didn't matter how much I succeeded, I still had no value. So as mm -hmm. long as that story in your mind is negative about you, that, that you don't have the resources, you don't have the tools, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, then that's going to always be a block that stops you from getting across that hurdle towards success. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I've learned over time is the most difficult to, I guess you could say autocorrect as far as that negative narrative that we have in our mind in mm. one of the things that I've learned and I've shared many times throughout this podcast is that when it comes to our negative thoughts, it is that there is, um, they, they, they have such a higher frequency compared to the positive ones. And so when we say a negative word, it's like three or four times higher. So you almost have to say three or four positive words just to equal it out. And my, my initial thought prior to listening to that episode was that both are on equal playing field, but really they're not. The negative mm. ones have a way higher frequency. So in, in understanding that, how did you, where did you even start that journey of understanding that, hey, there's a negative thought process that I'm putting myself through? I, I guess the first step, as you mentioned, is recognition. But what, what did you take beyond that? as far as the action steps to help reverse that story? Part of it was I started journaling my negative thoughts. I, I literally captured them. And then I started challenging my own belief system that, well, why is this true, John? Who says you're not good enough besides you? What is it about you that has you continue to do that? And then I would start identifying where I had been successful. So I, I had completed two college degrees. I had risen to the top 3% of the enlisted force in the Air Force. So I, I started recognizing that my successes weren't luck, that I achieved them, but I also had other people that helped me achieve them. So really part of it, it was starting to rethink and talk differently to myself, whether it was out loud, on paper, or just silently to myself and challenging that what I say, that little seven-year-old boy, that hurt little seven-year-old boy inside me, that, that ego state, that psychological e ego state, I started showing compassion and love for him. So in mm -hmm. other words, John, what would you go back and say to the seven-year-old John Jr. now that you're 59 years of age? Mm -hmm. And part of that will be is, hey, take it easy on yourself. Learn to accept yourself that when you make a mistake, that's not who you are. That's just a decision that you made at that moment that you can learn from and self-correct. Mm -hmm. So just learning to have self-compassion, accept and love myself has allowed me now to, to focus on setting realistic goals and mm -hmm. taking actions to achieve those. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you mentioned that I've been curious about, and it's a slight tangent for those that are listening when it comes to the, the overall theme that we're discussing right now, and that is, I recently wrote an article and, and something that I've been pondering on for quite some time. And that is this question of when has play 
become immature. Because one of the things that I've learned is that as we age, this concept of play, whatever that play was when we were younger, mm-hmm. we mature out of it. And, I, and, and one of the things that I've wondered and pondered upon is, and when did that become a thing? Or why is that a thing? You know, part of that reason that I've learned is that we take on different responsibilities. And those responsibilities make us grow up or be adult-like. And so we, we forget that inner child. And I'm curious to know, is there, are there things within your life that you've learned as you, as you age that you give up on as far as the play concept? Because some of the phrases that you might have heard around you have been similar to grow up or time to act like an adult or, you know, it's, it's not the right time to do things like that anymore. Yeah, for, for me, it's delayed gratification. You know, I, I grew up in a family that always lived paycheck to paycheck, but seemed to buy a lot of things on credit or with loans. Mm-hmm. So that was normal to me, and I brought that into my adult life. And so, you know, it, even not having discretionary income could led me to believe that I wasn't good enough. So thankfully, I have my, my spouse, Laura. She's so good at managing money, saving money, and putting things aside is is now I rely on her, but I don't make just impulse decisions that I used to in the past. Because when I would buy something, it was to make me feel good, to make me feel valuable. So now it's learning to say, okay, how does a mature, successful person behave? And I don't mean success in what I own, the things externally, the possessions, the houses, the cars, the clothes I wear, or even the, the positions I hold, the jobs I have, the titles behind my name, or what other people think about me now it's going inside and saying well you know john these are your top three values Mm -hmm. and in this decision you're stressing about it let's go back to your values and let those determine the decision you're going to make and i always went out when i'm allowing my personal values to drive my behavior in those tense impulsive or childish situations Mm -hmm. when it comes to money and other things Mm -hmm. what does success look like for you now yeah, for me, it's just the bottom line of, of um, am I, I it, it's kind of, I'm kind of competitive to myself. Am I <laughs> using the talents that God has given me to the best of my ability? Mm-hmm. So, so now I'm always looking inside and looking at my gifts and how am I using those to serve others? Mm-hmm. Is, is my family happy and healthy? Mm-hmm. And part of that health part is, is, are they doing what they can to help themselves without me ridiculing them, me to be there with them to support and encourage them? Is there a neighbor that needs something done that I can help and, and go do for? So now it's about also looking in the mirror and go, hey, you're an okay guy. You've made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what? You wouldn't be where you are today without those mistakes. And hey, you know what? You may make one or two, three, four, or five more. What are you going to learn from them as you grow into the person you've been designed to be? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important mindset, especially with everything that we're facing right now as far as looking at all of these instances where I think sometimes we may blame ourselves for the mistakes that we've made, but rather looking at mistakes as opportunities to learn and new windows of possibility as far as something that you didn't know about yourself and something that you can tap, tap into. And, and part of that process, maybe even find a talent of yours that you haven't seen before. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I, I think we can always refine and get better and improve. And you, know, you, you talked about 
the child. And I think what I, I took from you is mm-hmm. you're looking at that emotional child that may make decisions for you mm-hmm. that are, that are hurtful. And um, if I'm getting too deep here with some theory, please let me know. There's, there's ego states, parent, adult, child, there's psychological mm-hmm. ages. And the parent breaks down into three. It's critical, rescuing, and nurturing. Then the child breaks down into three. It's free, defensive, and helpless. Mm-hmm. And then you have the adult. So that parent ego state is what we learn. We're taught from others by watching them. The child ego state is how we got our, our way as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. but where I, I like to go between the nurturing parent, the adult and the free child, because the nurturing parent may know the answer, but they're going to coach and help people come to the conclusion themselves. Mm-hmm. And the free child generates ideas and innovative, but the adult manages that to be successful and have healthy, productive behaviors. But the critical and rescuing parent, they have all the answers. It's value driven. You're a thing. I'm either going to do it for you. You're going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And then the defensive child and the helpless child, they're just trying to protect and not be hurt or just give up. And you see, those are unhealthy, disruptive behaviors that prevent us from being that mature, healthy adult that knows how to take care of themselves and help others. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that over time, and this goes back to something that you and I addressed earlier, that it seems like we kind of leave one of those three behind and instead focus our lives on living in one versus the combination of all three. Is that something that you've experienced as well? Well, we all live, have the three, the three ego states every day. We, we mm-hmm. move in and out of them. The question is, have I matured enough mentally and emotionally to allow my adult to be the computer system that drives mm-hmm. the parent and the, and the child egos so they don't become unhealthy? I mean, even being a critical parent could be the right thing to do. If I see a child in the road and they're getting ready to be hit by a car, mm-hmm. I may yell at them and scream at them. That will be healthy. But if every time you would make a mistake and I only pointed out the mistake and told you how wrong you were and how dumb you were, that is not healthy, critical parent. That's just my natural zone that I feel comfortable in that gives me power. Mm. So the key is to recognize when your behaviors are healthy and not healthy. And then how do you just stop and allow your personal value system and what you've learned through life to bring you back to the present moment to make the best decision to get the best outcome? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that I've learned is when when you get an understanding of the three phases that you mentioned, it, Mm -hmm. it ultimately does put you in a position where you can make not only better decisions, but improve your problem solving skills moving forward. And one of the relationships that I've recently understood about myself is that I believe that elements of play in that inner child, it's important to recognize those because they actually lead or are associated with creativity. Mm-hmm. And then through creativity, that's where I think we're able to develop a lot of these not only new ways of thinking and solutions, but also create a plan, identify problems and things like that. So keeping all three in mind is an important aspect to, I think, living, living a life. And, and that's where I try to live from the nurturing parent to the adult, to the free child, because the mm-hmm. adult should be able to identify the problem. Mm-hmm. Know something's not right. The, the free child can come up with innovations, creations to solve that problem. And then the nurturing parents is allowed to bring a group of people together and coach and listen and, and help us come to the best decision to make to solve that problem. And I think from a nurturing parent standpoint, and this 
just popped in my head. So I'm glad that, that you're triggering this is mm-hmm. I can be kind to myself too mm-hmm. and nurture my, and have self-compassion for myself. And that comes from that nurturing parent ego state, that psychological age. I was coaching a, a person one time and she, uh, she was talking about how she needed to train her team. And when we, we took the assessment and she identified her tendencies were high in rescuing parent. She had an aha moment. She realized she wasn't training them. She was doing their work for them. Mm. And so that was something she wanted to stop doing. She, she would, didn't want to rescue them, but she actually wanted to train them and ask them questions so they could get the information and perform better. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes just having a little bit of data that creates discovery and dialogue can help us realize that, wow, my, my child ego state is unhealthy. What does it look like if it was healthy and how would I use that, as you just mentioned, to be creative, innovative, and solve problems? Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned that I want to take a step back to is recognition of your talents and gifts. And I'm curious to know, what are some of the exercises that you take people through in helping them identify those strengths of theirs? Yeah, one of the first things is I, I just ask them to kind of write down the things that they thoroughly enjoy and take no energy for them to do. Because and, and for me, what I realized is that the things that I'm good at, mm-hmm. that I'm naturally gifted for, require no energy. But yet my, my, my mindset, my, my child mindset, ego state told me that if it wasn't hard, it wasn't worth doing it because it didn't bring you any value. So that was a mind shift that I had to do. So one, what is it you're good at? And then we want to look at what your passions are and then try to see where what you're naturally gifted line up with your passions and that becomes your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You know, m- mine is, is simply facilitation, getting a group of people together that I can listen to, see how they're behaving and get them to come to their own conclusions because facilitate means to make easy. Mm-hmm. So I try to create the right environment in the classroom where it becomes easy for them to discuss things they normally wouldn't because they feel safe doing it. Another activity is to go back and identify a timeline on paper from your earliest memories to today and see where you made a positive impact on others and see again, if that lines up with what's easy for you to do and you enjoy doing and you're able to choose your giftedness from that. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing both of those. I'm going to have quite a bit of work to do after this episode. The, um, (laughs) question that I have for you, and this is something that I end a lot of our episodes with, and that is asking our guests, who or what are they grateful for? And so I want to pose that question back to you. And that is who or what are you grateful for today? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of people for sure. And one is my grandmother. I lived in across the out in rural area across the, the gravel road from her. And she lived to be 77. So I was fortunate to be with her for 16 years she had nine children and i never ever once saw her be upset or frustrated with anyone even people that would come to borrow money from her and she would give it to them willingly even though she lived on a small social security check Mm -hmm. and one day i just asked her i said jimmy here comes to you every month granny and and borrows 50 dollars from you why do you continue to do that she says, well, I see who he can become versus who he is. And I know one day he's going to be in a position to do for others what I'm doing for him. And, mm. and that turned out to be true. Um, so I always saw her 
meet people where they were and not preach to them because if you mm -hmm. preach at people, you can't reach them. But if you reach people, then they open up and want you to teach them. Mm -hmm. And then another one of her favorite sayings was life is nothing but a series of problem solving activities. You get to choose mm -hmm. how you respond. And if you have the same problem over and over, you're not responding, you're reacting. Mm. And then the, the other statement that I love is she'd always say life's fundamental, but when you take away the fun, it's da-mental. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then the, the, the second person is, is my wife, Laura. We've been married 20 years and she really taught me how to accept and, and love myself even more. And so I went through a pretty rough divorce and was beating myself up over that. You know, it's from a childhood sweetheart that, that we've been together for 17 years of marriage. And just over time, you know, I recognize again that I was, I hadn't dealt with the hurt. And, and, you, and you've heard this as well as a lot of your listeners will hear mm -hmm. is hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so it's just learning how to, to bring, not bury that emotion, but bring that hurt up and be able to, to put it out on the table and talk about it and recognize that until you work through that, you're going to be stuck right there for as long as you continue to hold on to it. So mm -hmm. she just taught me, you know, how, how to, to accept love and give love. I think that's a really important thing to understand is as far as creating a space rather than creating a system for mm. us to understand. And that's something that you mentioned as far as um, reach, not preach. It's very similar thing because I think when we tell people to do something and, and this is the only way that you can do it, well, there's a reason why it's not happening because there, I think there's a element of choice that gets lost in that yeah. communication process. So empowering people and, and helping them understand that, Hey, you have a choice in how you live or how you do this particular thing. And what I'm going to do is just create a space for you to understand that you can do it. Beautiful. To learn more about Oleg, visit his website at www.overcomingodds.com today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Power to Transform podcast. To learn more about John and the services he provides, visit his website at www.power2transform.com. If you found value in this show, please tell a friend. That would help us out too.